Hello and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 116. Chris, 116 could be interpreted as November 6th. There were two U.S. presidents who were inaugurated on November 6th, one of them in 1860 with only 40% of the popular vote and another one in 1900. Can you name either president? Oh, 100 years ago? Teddy Roosevelt? Nope. Oh, then no. <laughs> It's a good guess. It's a good, it's a good default guess. There's another. It's not George Washington, you know that. But there's another default guess that, like, when you're asking a question about Lincoln, presidents, yeah, you got it. It's uh, Lincoln right. is one of them. Oh, in Roosevelt was much later than. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, when was Roosevelt? That, that was like Panama Canal stuff. This yeah. is the sort of knowledge that, like, I'm really excited to have kids to just nail this sort of fundamental knowledge. Yeah. Because I could totally see as a dad, like, uh. D- when my child is going through school learning about the presidents i make like my own adult flashcards for just memorizing all the presidents i'm not just studying for the one test they're going to study for i'm going to like nail it down uh and that's exciting yeah roosevelt was in office and teddy roosevelt 1901 so 1901 oh hold on do you have another bad fact no 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 when was when was mckinley in office uh i I have to look that up too okay i think i think teddy roosevelt part of his story is like it was a weird situation where he uh got into office uh yeah mckinley died or he was in office september 14th 1901 and teddy roosevelt was next yes okay it was mckinley was uh was 1900 okay yeah roosevelt was a really good guess and if i had a better grasp of the presidents like i hopefully will with kids uh, I would have had a better answer than just no. I would have said that was really close. Uh, cool. How are you? What did you get up to this last week? I'm doing all right. Now I'm, now I'm looking up. Wait, I said McKinley died, but I want to make sure. Yeah, he died. Okay. Was that the one who yeah. he, he like caught a cold during his inaugural address and then was just sick his entire presidency? No, there was a no president since he was in office from March 1897 to September 1901. Was he the... Oh, wait. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Is he a vice uh, president that came in? Why was it only a year? I don't know. I'd have to read Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. My brother well, my brother used to know all the presidents forward and backwards, and he also used to be able to do presidential math. So he could say, like, uh, 12 plus 13, and he would do that in his head and then name that the president that was the... Or, like, or no, yeah. he used to be able to say, like, Roosevelt plus uh, Lincoln. And then he'd... Yeah. That's a good mnemonic system. And then anytime you have to remember a number, you're just like, oh, where are we parked? We're on level B of mckinley (laughs) yeah yeah that's good uh anyway uh my week was okay Uh, i got an a in advanced linear algebra congratulations i wasn't sure i was going to get but i ended up uh getting 100 percent on the final wonderful so great um (laughs) i'm I'm done with that class now so yeah uh i I appreciated the uh especially the early part of the class because i feel like that gave me a lot of insight to a lot of linear algebra stuff that i didn't Mm -hmm. have before but by the end of the class, it was like re-implementing algorithms that, you know, already have a, a good default implementation in mm. any linear algebra library. So it's like, yeah, all right. Probably never going to need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's right. Um, yeah, so I did that. And since then, I've been doing Kaggle nonstop, trying to get my last gold. But I'm currently in 35th place. I need to be in 12th. Uh, mm. So that's not great. There's a week left. Uh, and I'm not out of ideas, but um, I don't think I'm going to make it happen. So I'm still trying, but... Yep, that's how my week has been. This is still the reverse description. Mm-hmm. You get the image and you describe what the image looks like. Okay. Yep, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I have made some recent discoveries that are interesting. I wish I would have made, you know, two months ago. 
But uh, that's right. We'll see. If only you had a fourth GPU. <laughs> I'm not could... even running both of them right now. I'm just running the one. So okay, not even. Yeah. I just want you to buy more GPUs. That's just uh, the, I, I the more GPUs you have, the happier I am. <laughs> I know. I, I discovered actually the GPU. Uh, the computer I got has. Is this true? Less RAM in it than GPU. It has 16 gigs of RAM, and I definitely need to up, to, up that because uh, my kernel crashed a couple times because I ran out of CPU RAM, oh. uh, which should not happen. So I'm gonna spend another hundred hundred bucks to update the the RAM. Would it make sense? So you, you have the you have two of the identical p- computers that you just got. One of them's just yeah. a Stardew Valley machine. Can you be using that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can use that one. So update both the RAM. Yeah, probably I will. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yep, have a little GPU cluster. This yep. is uh, something we touched on a little bit in the last episode, but like the question of how you deploy a model is really interesting mm-hmm. to me. Serverless functions exist as sort of this like I, I don't know where you go from here for traditional deployment, but there don't exist, as far as I know, serverless functions for uh, AI model things. Um, yeah, I'm curious how you how you deploy a, a model like that. So there's several ways, um, and yeah, we sort of ran out of time to- before we talked about this. Uh, there's multiple ways to deploy. The problem with serverless functions and large language models is you have to load the language model from disk, you have to put it into RAM, and then if you want to move it onto the GPU, you have to do that, and that all takes time. So mm-hmm. your serverless function goes from 10 milliseconds, you know, to like a second or two, mm-hmm. um, which is like bad. <laughs> so uh, if you have a giant model, the best thing to do is to just keep up keep a server running all the time with the model loaded and then have some queue that you just work through. Um, so you can do that custom, but there are also like hugging face, uh, has a thing where you can load a model. Like it's, it feels like serverless, but the model's running. Um, there are other people who offer that. I don't know any of the other ones, but there are, um, or you can just like use AWS. They have GPUs and uh, load them up. You can also for non, big giant models so for like small models you can uh run those on a cpu often and get Mm. pretty good inference times so for like non-large language models uh usually just a regular server is fine okay yeah if i don't care about startup latency and i just want to be billed per millisecond of execution time on a gpu and i don't want to pay the cost of running it the full time even though It'd probably be cheaper if I was using it that much. Is Hugging Face the solution for that? Can I just upload a model to them and then they they charge me per millisecond? Uh, I actually don't know how they're priced. So yeah, take a look at them. It, it's called like Hugging Face, either Spaces or Inference or one of those two things. I think. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm but, curious about that. But the thing I want, I think, is if I come up with a model, if I if I download a model and I train it on my own data, I want to be able to just update the weights to a service. That's gonna and oh and maybe also I maybe also I can specify like how quickly I'd like it to run. Um, if I want it to run faster, I'm I'm okay paying more. In the same way that with serverless functions, if I want more RAM or more CPU, I can I can pay more per millisecond. But then I want to not be charged anything if I'm not using it at all, and then I want to be charged per invocation or or per, per millisecond that I'm uh, that I'm using it. Um, and I. Yeah, if if that's what hugging fist is, then I just I want hugging fist. Yeah, you might be able to. You can also, I mean, AWS is fine for that too, um, because you could just spin up a new instance. Oh, but that takes. Yeah, if a it's GPU like, instance takes a long time. Yeah, if it's like a new EC two thing, 
Yeah, I don't want not that. sure. Okay, not sure. Okay, if you if you hear something like that, I'd be curious right. uh, what it is. Uh, cool. Any updates on the AI course? Have you thought about that at all? Not really, because I've been doing a lot of the Kaggle stuff. Um, I thought I tried to think about it a little bit and realized uh, while doing Kaggle, I have a very limited bandwidth for anything else. So I do sure. my job and then I put the kids to bed or like I have dinner, put the kids to bed and I do Kaggle. Sure. And that's like my day. Sure. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I stumbled on a few AI courses. One of them uh, was recommended by a friend and another one I think I, I found out about on Hacker News and uh, it, it's something I'm interested in, like getting to a point where I could be making my own models that are tuned in a, in a certain way. That's a that's a skill set that I see is going to be really useful. I don't have an immediate application for that skill yet, but I like I want to be able to do that. Yeah. So I was going to pull on this a little bit because you are in my target audience, right? Yeah. Um, so what... Last last week you asked what the superpower I would give people is. Yeah. What is the thing you want to do? You mentioned training your own models, but like why to what end or yeah. So a problem that I'm chewing on right now is how do I find how do I find interesting uh parts of a transcript to clip out in clips? Right. Um and I'm I'm sure over the course of my life I'm gonna have dozens of this category of problem, but th- this is the one right in front of me. And so right now, the, the, the easiest way for me to solve that problem is figure out a prompt that I can feed into OpenAI's GPT-4 that will get me the results that I need. And improving on that solution for me right now looks like doing more prompt engineering or figuring out is there some more clever way that I can do data processing beforehand or maybe use a different service or what I'm doing right now, which is like, uh, you know, use assembly to figure out what the chapters are and then work with chapters, which are smaller chunks and and I can work more with those. And I could imagine getting enough data to be able to train a model that's more specialized. So for me, for this problem, that might look like take all of the Joe Rogan clips that have more than 10,000 views figure out which podcast those came from transcribe those podcasts like in my stream so that i have i have the transcription and then note okay what part of this transcription did this clip come from that made it this popular clip that got at least ten thousand views now that's the training data um i could probably get i don't know a thousand of those reasonably easily um and then one option I have for that is uh, this. This is something I was looking into this last week. That could go into the fine tuning. Uh, I think is what they call it for OpenAI. Yep. You can you can upload basically a JSON file where uh, it's key value pairs. The key is the prompt that you're feeding into it, and the value is the the expected value that you want. So I would feed into that AI. I would feed uh, like the the key would be um, just the just the transcript of the chapter that contained the clip that I knew was popular. And then the value would be just the segment of that clip that was the most interesting. And in fine tuning my understanding with this, the way that this works is I don't need to give it any sort of explanation. I'm just saying, here's the input, here's the output, here's the input, here's the output, figure it out. I'm going to give you a a few hundred examples. Um, Potential problem with that is uh, it's much more expensive. It's, it's something like four times more expensive than uh, GPT-4. And it's a lot more work for me. And the end result is something that I'm still not in control of. Mm. But if I had as uh, an option in my toolkit, hey, 
did you know that there's this cutting edge uh, uh, model that's not available in any sort of public API, but it is available in this much wider database of models that you can just download from this repository of models. Uh, and you know, this model's called interestingness score or something. Um, but you can't just use it out of the box because it's not quite what you want. But if you could just take that model and train it on the data that you have or, or do something else with it and then deploy it in this way that like it, it plugs into your application the same way that the open AI API would, um, I would love to have that tool in my, in my tool belt. So it's, it's for a use case that's, that's like just outside of, uh, I've got to work to, to get it done on open AI or, or existing APIs. Um, and this is theoretical. I don't know if a model like this actually exists, but if, if there existed a model that would make it much easier for me to solve this particular problem, um, but I, I would need to be able to do some work of some training and, and certainly deployment and, and integrating into my application. Uh, that's, that's what I want to be able to do. Cool. Thanks. I wrote down a few, uh, phrases I heard, uh, specialized, uh, I heard expensive. So open AI GPT four becomes expensive when you do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you want control. You want to be able to use cutting edge models that may or may not have APIs, uh, and the use of very specific models, which may end up being better than GPT-4 for specific problems. Yeah. Is that cool? That's good insight. Yeah. Cutting edge, I found when you when you were saying those resonated particularly strongly with me. This idea okay. that like, because in, in AI and, and in the space right now, having a leading edge is, is huge. Um, yeah. Yeah. I went through uh, some of the other applications in the space of uh, AI generated clips this last week. And realized they're not they're not good yet. <laughs> so like, I, I uploaded uh, the Steve Jobs commencement speech from Stanford from 2004 or something to uh, uh, two different AI ones, and I did it because uh, I, I was sort of going through this. You know, could I train this based on clips that are already popular? And um, within the Steve Jobs commencement speech, there's a there's a clip in there where he talks about uh, death and viewing everything that you're doing through the lens of death. It's the that's the clip from the the commencement speech and it's it's mm. i don't know like two minutes long and clearly that's the part of it that humans care the most about and neither one of the ai automatic detection uh clip things found it and that's a problem and that's an opportunity for me that like i felt kind of reassured that like i was a little spooked by oh my gosh these people are like uh, you know, uh, they've got venture backed money and there's so much bigger right, than right. me, but they can't find, they can't find the clip in the Steve Jobs commencement right. speech. So like there's a, there's a huge opportunity for me there that if, if there's a cutting edge model that can find that, but it's difficult to integrate that into an application, like that's a huge deal for me as a, as a software, uh, yeah. like making it as a service. So I just had an idea for a feature uh, I am not your target market, so this may be a bad feature, but it's technically possible, which makes it interesting. Okay. Um, so you uploaded this speech, and you wanted the clip about death. Yes. Could you allow people to say, uh, I know somewhere in this hour I said something about death. Could you pull out a clip about that for me? So like a, basically a topic thing. And then you could take it one step further, and you could parse the transcript. You could say, I think you're talking about these 10 topics. Click on a button to make a clip about this topic. So that can, it's like a, that's how they you can direct people to make the clips. Like you pull out general topics, they click on it, you make you know three clips about that topic from their thing. Did that make sense? And that does make sense. I think I don't yeah. know enough about 
there's this concept of, of uh, like doing embedding searches in yeah. the OpenAI API that I don't fully understand where uh, like, like maybe I pull out, maybe I've pre-processed a bunch of, a bunch of potentially interesting clips from the episode and I calculate the embedding for each of those clips of the, that's the abstract concept of what the topic is. Yep. And then when people are searching, when they search for the word death, I, I turn death into an embedding. And now I calculate the difference between the embeddings of the word death or, or whatever their query was and the rest of the clips. Uh, I think that's technically possible. Yeah. And that yeah. seems like it would be a good feature. Like that's, that's a problem I've run into with this show. I've, I've had this, uh, like I've seen a, a Twitter post or something and had this vague recollection of, oh man, that's, uh, there's a great conversation Chris and I had about it that I remember that happened some number of months ago. And I, I Somewhere do in not the last remember hundred episodes, right? Yeah. Um, that if I, if I could just go somewhere and search for the concept and then have pulled out not just of one episode, but of all my episodes, uh, here's potentially relevant clips for what you're talking about right now. That feels like a killer feature. Uh, that's not, yeah, that this is, this is not, you know version zero but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a yeah really this good is idea. this is often to feature land uh get something right. working first and people right. are using it but right yeah. yeah for now for now the way to solve that is just you know i have a, i have a plain text search and if you search the word deaths yeah. you're going to find that in the steve Jobs speech uh makes sense. just do it by episode and then you can maybe maybe i got it correct when i was doing ai suggested clips but i think a, a killer differentiating feature of my thing is you can manually specify like, no, this is the interesting part. This is what I want you to make a clip about. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good. Thank you for the idea. Cool. Um, also, what you talked about with embeddings, like embeddings are so uh, powerful and underused because people don't understand them very well. Mm -hmm. I thought about making a whole course just about them. The problem is people don't even know what to look for, for like mm -hmm. embeddings, you know, like you do, because I've talked about embeddings before, mm -hmm. but like, uh, so if I did something like that, I would need to, I guess, come up with different use cases and then, you know, highlight those mm -hmm. and then be like the tool you use is embeddings. Uh, but yeah, anyway, th th they could be a whole course just on their own, how to use embeddings. I could see the sales pitch for that being maybe like, here's, uh, you're, you're going to teach me just enough AI so that I can maximally use open AI's API. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to go deep. You're like, uh, you're gonna you're gonna tell me about the, the embeddings API because when I first saw the the that OpenAI had uh, an API for embeddings, I was like, why? Because <laughs> I think I was mistaking it for tokens. I was like, isn't this just a function ah. that like a library that you download? Um, but no, it, it like it has to run through the model and then you get a, a, a whole bunch of numbers at the end of it, and that's yeah. that's the which same you can just as... do. Yeah, you can just do on your own servers too. OpenAI uh, publishes older versions of their models that you can get the embeddings out of uh, oh the weights of them mm -hmm. that's yeah. very interesting i didn't know that yeah, how old what's what's the newest one that they've published uh i don't know i'm using the vision one right now for uh for my uh competition so that's cool that is cool yeah. huh no neat and noted note <laughs> note <laughs> um, um I have four things I'd like to talk with you about today. Cool. The first is an update on the file inbox growth audit by Asia Orangio of Demand Maven. High level, holy cow, this is great. This is, I wish 
I wish this had happened uh, years earlier. And I think, I think, I don't know that I was ready for it years. No, yeah, it's happening. It's happening how I'd like it to happen. Uh, so there's, but we, we had our second call this last week. The first call was just her getting much more of a high level overview of the business. And I gave her a bunch of access to all the accounts, um, including ProfitWell. And then this last one we recorded because I, I talked with her about, uh, you know, you're doing this for me for free. I'd love to return value for you so what if we turn this into a podcast and we can make clips and, and all that sort of thing so uh it, it might get turned into a podcast at some point or uh certainly clips that'll be on social media but in that she was digging much more into um the specifics of things that she noticed in profit well one screen in particular was churn by cohort and she was real gentle with how she showed this to me. She was, she, uh, she said, you know, have, have you dug into any of the profit well things? And I was like, nope, not really. She was like, do you know what churn by cohort is? And I was like, yeah, I know intellectually you, you, you know, calculate churn by, you know, you're, you're not just calculating overall churn. You're looking at for the users who signed up in January, uh, what, what was their specific churn? So she showed me this graph where it was a grid of numbers and almost all the numbers were red. And she said, look at this, this is your churn by cohort. Uh, 50% of your users, 50% of your new users are churning in the first month and Oof. you, you're only keeping like 28% of them or something, uh, after six months. Uh, how does that feel? And I said, that feels really bad. <laughs> and she said, really, that feels bad. Talk to me about that. And I, I kind of like went into the details of, of why I felt bad. Like it's kind of embarrassing. And she said, huh, do you remember how you described your difficulty in this business that you felt like, you know, you, you would do a new marketing push and uh, you would try it for a couple of months and, and you'd feel like nothing would happen. And then you you'd need to, uh, you, you would go off to something else. And I was like, yeah, of course. And she said, uh, this is why that's happening. It's happening because all of the new users you're getting are just immediately churning out. So of course you feel like you're spinning your wheels because all the new users you're getting are just immediately leaving. And you thought the churn was like, four four to six percent because that's what the overall churn is if you if you look at all my users because i have these legacy right. users that have just been on this for years um and then i sort of swung around to it and was like oh hold on yeah this is amazing like this is the problem you you i don't know if it's the problem you found a problem uh and and it's a problem that directly explains the the difficulty i've been having and so now that we've identified the problem okay well we can move forward from here um to figure out why new users are churning, that's a that's a addressable question. You can get those people on the phone and you can do a mom test style interview and say, like, what were you expecting? Why why did you or was this just a short-term thing? And you know, maybe I have a different idea of uh of what people want from this than they're actually getting, and they're just doing it for like one month long projects. Or maybe they're like, oh, I need this to be able to send files to my Dropbox. And I'm like, oh my God, I I can do that. Why what made you think that you can't do that? Um so yeah, uh, that, it feels like it's in a, in a much more exciting place. So that was the first insight. And so then her homework for me for uh, this week was she wants to know um, trial to paid conversions, how many people are signing up for trials and then what percentage of those uh, sign up to, to be paid. Because the the only numbers we were looking at are things for ProfitWell and Stripe that that showed that uh, there's like, you know, two to two to five people per month that, that pay me. Um, and then the second thing was, uh, I think that was it actually. Was that it? Trial signups? Oh, oh, uh, uh, landing on the site versus uh, signups. Like how many people land on the site? What's the what's the overall tra- traffic? And then what percentage of those uh, uh, sign up for accounts? So I figured out that first number. Um, 
Asia mentioned in the conversation that she's learning R. And uh, I took a, a course in R and uh, I took a course in programming languages in colleges and in college. And one of the languages we talked about was R. Uh, and with the help of ChatGPT, I was able to just export all of the user data from file inbox. It's like 80,000 rows. And then I wrote her an R program to like answer that question and send her the data and send her the R program. So she's able to see it. And found what I think is, I haven't talked with her about this yet, but I think it's another smoking gun of in January, I had 80 people sign up for trials for file inbox. And I had no idea it was that high. Uh, that was an anomalous month, but like the lowest month of, of trial signups for the last six months was like 40. So that's like, oh my God, I, I'm having 40 people just waltz into my application, sign up for an account, and then only two to four of them are actually uh, paying me money. Like there's something here. So, ooh, it just, it feels really good. I feel like, ah, it's, she's so good. She, like I, these are all things that I knew intellectually and I knew of the concept of, of uh, uh, cohort trial conversions, but like, ah, she, she's, she's good. She knows, she knows what she's doing and it, it really feels like I'm, I'm uh, back on the right track. That's cool. Yeah. It, my first thought was, it sounds like a really good therapist who will gently introduce a topic and let you come to conclusions about yeah, that topic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's cool. Yeah. I'm excited for that. It, yeah, I think you thought yeah, that traffic may have been the problem. Um, and I, it sounds like it's not, at least not the first problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also reminded of various talks uh, in microconf uh, in the years that say, you know, fix your churn first before you, you know, ramp up spending or something on ads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because if you just churn out all the people, then just it's going to feel bad. Yeah. Which, is which I've what I heard a million times, right? I've, I've, yeah. I've been to those microconfs. I knew that intellectually. And I wasn't digging deep enough in the data. I was just looking at the high level like, ah, churns. Mm. I, I don't know what overall churns. I think it's something like 4%. I was like, well, clearly that's not the problem. So let's increase traffic. <laughs> and I even like, I've talked with people about this. I talked with a, a friend of mine who runs a, a successful business. And I was like, hey, can you can you help me figure this out? And he went through, like he, he looked in my profit well and saw the same number of churn and was like, yep, you need to increase traffic here. And let's, let's talk about uh, doing more stuff with SEO. Um, and so that's what I was doing for like four months, but that, that wasn't the problem. The problem was like, yeah. I'm, uh, there's a mismatch. I, the, the, the way she phrased it was like, there's some amount of product market fit because people are paying for this and, and it's solving real problems. But, you know, 80 people coming into the application and four of 80 people signing up for trials for the application yeah. and four of those paying me seems like a huge opportunity. Uh, yeah. That that I think the emotional resistance I had to this was just this this surface level. It feels bad for me to look at this grid of a bunch of red numbers, <laughs> right? Uh, and I I'm confident, you know, if I was in a different mental state where where I was hunting out that information and and that felt good to see those numbers, I, I'm sure I would have stumbled on this uh, much earlier. But uh, yeah, it feels it feels like a ton of progress. It feels like th this is the thing I think I've been waiting nine years for for file inbox of figuring out like okay here's the work I can be doing to actually be growing this as a business. So uh, in the best case scenario, I think like file inbox starts picking up and this this video clipping thing, uh, repurpose engine starts uh, growing at the same time. And yeah, that's, it feels like, it feels like that's where I'm going. It feels like like progress is, is being made. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, there's a great uh, Y Combinator startups will talk about uh, growth and yeah, trial to paid pay attention to that. And then also uh, cohort churn is a big part of the talk and not just cohort 
cohort churn, but graphing cohort churn can show you if you're, and now this is for high growth startups, but it can show you if you're default alive or dead. Mm. Because if, if it basically starts, if your cohort churn means like you can extrapolate it out and you can see where your numbers are going to be. Um, and at, at, you know, a big enough scale, like it's, it's just math to show whether you're growing or, or whether no amount, you know, you're going to plateau basically. Yeah. No amount of growth hacks will uh, get you over cohort churn. So what, what's your um, intuition yeah. with that with file inbox? Cause like, what does it mean that overall churn is so low, but cohort churn, churn is so high is like, I mean, did yeah, I have product market fit before and I've lost it? It could, yeah. It, yeah. it could mean the market has caught up to where the features that you have and the people who are already on your service would have a high switching cost, so yes. they just stay. Yes. But the people signing up, they're trying out three, four different services. Yeah. And maybe yours doesn't have the same features that, you know, another uh, one does, so they just turn. That would make intuitive sense to me because the, the product as it exists, like the one deployed on filemx.com is one that basically hasn't been touched in like yeah, yeah. seven years. So yeah, yeah of course. Makes it's sense updated. to me. There was a bug I fixed last week where um, it was a really old, th- there there was a bug in iOS version like seven or eight or something where uh, if, you, if you didn't have certain attributes in your file input uh, uh, upload field, it it would fail or crash the browser or something. So I put this hack mm. on it so that it wouldn't do that. But then a more recent problem I've had is that iOS compresses the video when it uploads and that's just existed forever. And I thought that was a, a limitation of how iOS uploaded photos. Uh, and I had someone complain about it and actually reach out to me about it and be like, hey, you know, I, I'd stopped using the thing because the uh, uh, files were being compressed, which is something I'd heard from people before, but ignored it mostly but like file inbox is open again I'm, I'm working on it so i dug into it and it was a one line change that then yep. okay you know th- this version of ios doesn't exist anymore i don't need to think about it uh let's optimize instead for the iOSs that, that do exist so you know overnight it, it became more modern and i'm probably going to uncover like dozens of things like that that just oh and it feels so good to to have direction like that and i think that's what i'm going to get out of these customer interviews of what what's the reason why you chose someone else's product over mine what's the reason yeah. you churned um yeah what's the what's the reason you didn't sign up for an account um so yeah rereading the mom test is uh instrumental in that oh and asia's gonna do those customer interviews with me for the first like four or five uh Very cool. i just feel like a silent like, like <laughs> maybe maybe coming in every once in a while but yeah similar to a therapist i guess right it's uh it's someone there to, to like tell me when i've stepped out of bounds and i'm off the track and, and need to uh to get yeah. back on um and then her it, friend it's also a co- go ahead go ahead i was gonna say it's accountability it makes sure you actually do four or five calls because she's gonna yeah. be on them with you yeah so. yeah 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 um and then her 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 like her, her framing of it is after I've done a few of these and she's corrected my technique and, and uh, corrected the mistakes that I'm making that I don't know that I'm making yet that I'm sure she'll tell me, uh, uh, you know, I'll be able to just do this and then have systems in place where I can be uh, routinely like getting those high quality signals of uh, talking to people who I need to talk to. So, yeah, yeah, feels really good. Uh, this this feels like it's already been worth a significant portion of the $20,000 that uh uh, she would usually charge for this. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Feels good. Mm, three more things I'd love to talk about. How are we doing on time? We're doing great on time. Um, Trig, my professional magician friend, messaged me yesterday yep. with a fun project that there's there's a magical 
component to this that I won't talk about, but uh, basically what he needed to be able to do was send messages from his phone to his laptop, uh, like a, a string of text. He just needs to like, and then and then the computer needs to do a thing. It needs to run a script uh, in response to that string of text. And uh, he told me this in the morning on a, on a five minute call, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a problem, and that doesn't have a straightforward solution because he needs to be able to do it like on a cruise ship where there's no internet, or uh, in in the Magic Castle where he'll, he'll be uh, performing next week, which is so cool." <laughs> so uh, I, it was so interesting. The reason I'm talking about the story primarily is I'm. I ChatGPT has changed my development process for this sort of problem. Mm. It it like I'm consulting it at, at every level and every stage of the process, asking it like, you know, what's your opinion on ways that I could do this? And uh, okay, having having a, a server running on the laptop seems like it's the best way to go. Uh, can you please write for me a uh, you know, a node server that that does this, and oh, you know, that didn't work because of cores. Can you take care of cores and, and rewrite the script and it rewrites it? And it was it was just delightful. Like I love this new way of coding stuff. I it feels it feels like I have a junior developer working for me for for pennies that writes code that's better than the code that I'm writing. Um, and I still feel very engaged in this process because I'm I'm directing it at a higher level, but like I've just been able to step up in, in what I'm able to do. So I was able to get this project for him done that pre-ChatGPT probably would have taken me, I don't know, days, uh, like like four days. I got it done in three hours. And it's better than the version I would have made. Like it had fewer bugs, it needed less testing. Uh, it had better documentation because I was able to just like the the part of it was uh Trig needed to install on his laptop um, AWS keys, uh, mm-hmm. which he, he's a not technical person, but like he knows the basics of using a command line. Uh, and it was able to just write for him out this, this you know, two pages of instructions of exactly what to do and exactly where to go on AWS and exactly what to click on, including links within the thing. Like, amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling incredibly optimistic about this AI future. Like, I, I was spooked about it for a while because it just felt like things were happening really fast and it feels like things have slowed down maybe just a little bit <laughs> when we get the the bigger model of GPT-4 and when GPT-5 comes along like still like I'll, I'll probably feel spooked again but for where we are right now I feel like I've uh, I feel like I've adapted to the tools that are available sufficiently enough that I'm able to take advantage of them and I'm able to realize, like, oh my gosh, I can I can code so much faster. All my output is just so much higher. That feels really cool and, and exciting. It's a it's a cool time to be alive. That's cool. And, and something I don't ironically uh, feel like I've explored very much. Like I've tried it some, but yeah, I definitely haven't used it to, to that extent. And it's something I feel like I should do because everyone uh, who doesn't is going to be left behind. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I haven't I haven't done it very much yet. Um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I did see that, uh, so Andrew Ng, uh, who runs deeplearning.ai, maybe? Yeah. Um, and who's worked for Google and Baidu, um, he put out an, a free prompt engineering class. So prompt engineering for engineers or something oh, like that. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I'd like to take yeah. that. I think so, I bookmarked it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something I think I should do. Yeah. All of the time and money that I've invested so far in AI stuff has paid dividends. It's, yeah, I, I think man like the the world has changed it's it's like we're yeah. alive for the invention of calculators and everyone's still doing math by hand like 
right? It's, it's there's a new world. <laughs> there's a, there's a <laughs> yeah. you know, rethink all the all the your previous practices of uh, really just rethink everything you're doing. Oh, this is this this goes perfectly uh, as a perfect segue into the next thing I want to talk about. Um, cool. So, uh, food has been something I've been wanting to systematize for a long time that I feel like I've never quite gotten there with. Uh, I figured it out for myself for different periods of my life. Um, so like, I'm perfectly happy eating exactly the same thing most days, uh, and having like frozen vegetables and sausage is a, a pretty good mix. And I can throw greens in there and just like have that consistently every day and like a smoothie and I'll make the same smoothie every day. And, uh, I'm a family man now. I need to be thinking about how to also be making food that, uh, Sarah finds appealing and, uh, uh, future children when I have them, uh, this is a good time to to announce this on the show. I wasn't planning this. <laughs> Sarah is pregnant, and uh, she's congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. I feel like we should have led with that, but yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's so exciting. I'm I'm excited and terrified as the the uh, line I've been telling people. Uh, yeah, yeah, baby's super healthy. Uh, yeah, heartbeat strong. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's something I wanted for uh, as long as I can remember. And yeah, I'm, I'm seems like an incredible responsibility. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 really excited. Anyway, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> just slide that announcement in there. We've been talking about this for a long time, so we we just haven't talked about it on the show. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I have I will say like I have seen you you know talk about it for the last few months and like just seem very excited every time you talk about it yeah. i'm yeah yeah i'm happy about your excitement level it's great yeah and the the element of this that i'm currently thinking about the most is like this this food element but uh yeah so so we're thinking about uh trying to get food to a place where we're not uh where it's systematized and, and uh we, we don't really have to think about it especially like in the first few months of uh having an infant that's something that we're just hearing across the board it's a really difficult time that the more stuff you can push off your plate the the better so uh sarah found this maid service that's fantastic and, and affordable that come in so like that's that's great you know the cleanliness of the place is, is set up and, and locked and loaded that feels good um and for food we're, th- we're one of the things we're experimenting with right now is hiring a private chef which just feels so luxurious and it is, and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> so this this guy that she found, uh, it's from the service called uh, Friend Who Cooks, I think, came in the first week and asked us about, uh, you know, what what sort of food preferences do you have, and uh, how much food would you like, and uh, making sure that we have all the stuff we need in, in the kitchen. And then the second week he came, he did an inventory of the kitchen, saw what we had, saw what ingredients we had, and what he needed to buy. And uh, told me the menu, like, okay, what do you think? And we'd like uh, salmon and uh, some rice with peas and uh, the chicken dish and, and this other meat dish. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, he's Jamaican. And so he made like this Jamaican curry beef stew. So oh, good. Cool. And everything else he made was so good too. Sarah was eating the rice. Like, how did he make rice taste so good? Um, so the only downside of this is it's really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh for for his time for making these four dishes, which you know it was like fifty percent of the food that we ate in the week. Then um, we're paying for groceries also, obviously. So groceries were like a hundred dollars, and then his time was like two hundred and fifty dollars, and that's just like oof. Uh, if we're if we're doing that every week, 
that's a lot more money than than we could be spending on food. So we asked him yeah. like, could we be getting the groceries for you? Could we like, oh, could, could, we're, we're talking with uh, my sister and brother-in-law about, could we split the cost of it and mm. uh, yeah. have it make twice as much because making twice as much isn't going to take twice as much time. Um, right. So I was, I was thinking all about this yesterday and started thinking more about this idea that we talked about months ago of how to just like better automate the process of, of making interesting food. And because uh, like recipes exist and there's recipe databases and recipe APIs and food grocery delivery things exist where you can just tell them, here's the food that I need and, and deliver it to my back door. And the process of actually assembling it once all that stuff is put together, I actually really enjoy It's, you know, I, I play video games where cooking is the point of the video game. You're like chopping up vegetables for <laughs> monsters. And it's a really cool VR game called uh, Overcooked where you're, you're making sandwiches for like werewolves and stuff. <laughs> you chop up the tomatoes and you put the tomatoes on the bread and you got to toast the bread. And it's, it's great. So like that part of it, I really enjoy. I think it just be my podcast time. So I was trying to think about like, how might I devise a system where the 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 work that he's doing of the the like the grocery shopping and the figuring out what to cook and then also like based on what you want to cook what you have and what you need to get um and then i'm i'm fine doing the cooking stuff of it and then maybe that's something that we could outsource later of uh, for for much cheaper that we just find someone who's you know a line chef at a restaurant we just say okay here's the ingredients here's the recipes when you want we want you to make so so make it um and so i was playing around with with the same sort of chat system um uh, do i develop an application that can go and scrape the recipes and then none of the grocery delivery places have apis which sucks mm. uh but you had said the last time we talked about this maybe you'll be able to figure out just based on the json going back and forth can you can you yeah. hack your way into getting an api so i was looking into doing that and in the process of that i found that for central market which is a subsidiary of uh heb they have on their website a list of recipes that's like 31 recipes of pages and pages hundreds of recipes and so i went through that and i was like ah this is this is cool oh maybe it's like the whole foods one where it's just suggestions of it but you can't actually order it but oh chris on each recipe they got like a high quality photo they got a description of it and then they have an add all ingredients to your shopping cart button and i don't nice. know why every grocery store doesn't have this but it's exactly the service i wanted so i just went through all the 30 pages of recipes and found the ones that fit this criteria that i'm looking for of like uh needs to be something that can be made uh in batch that can be reheated that you know you can have in your fridge for four days and and when you pop it in the microwave it'll still still taste good and it like fits with the general dietary stuff that we're looking for um and i got from this like uh, probably a hundred recipes a lot of it's stuff that's really similar to the stuff that the the private chef has been making. Um, and I think this solves my problem because I think now the routine is for the week, I pick four of these things. Maybe I pass it by Sarah. Um, most of the difficulty and complexity of that's been done because, you know, the, I'm, I'm just picking stuff from a list and I've already pre-vetted it. Anything, any four things on the list would probably be great. Um, so that's that's like now at the point where it's almost the same level of interaction that we're having with the chef. And then I say, uh, either pickup or delivery that the grocery store is like a five minute walk away from us. So I could totally see just walking to pick it up if, if I want to save another, whatever, $20. Um, and then here's another breakthrough I had. I can take a list of the, uh, recipe for multiple, uh, uh I can take a list of the steps, uh, like the instructions for multiple recipes 
and paste all of those into ChatGPT and ask it to combine them and parallelize uh, them. Parallelize yeah. them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that I'm doing them all in parallel. And now it's now it's a game, right? Now it's just okay for for solving this problem of food. I haven't actually done this yet. This is this, this is I think right. the, the way that I'm framing this problem right now um, is I just go on, pick four things I want to make for the week, boop boop boop, uh, add them to the cart, do a really rough check through the list of like, do I have any of these things already? Oh, onions. We'll take the onions off because I have a bunch of onions. Okay, uh, you know, place for pickup at this time. Now I so that's taken me I don't know five minutes. Now I go back to work. Boop boop boop. I'm doing work. And now I either go up to pick the pick up the groceries or they get delivered. So that part is mostly automated. I'm going to go on the walk anyway. That's a thing that you know, if if I was making ten times more money than I'm making right now, I would still be one of I would still want to be going for walks. Um, now I take all the groceries, I bring them inside, I have ChatGPT give me the the instructions that I can follow. That's parallelized and taking advantage of like my un, my oven's already preheated at this temperature and it's doing that complicated work of figuring out how to how to uh, do it so i can just shut my brain off listen to some podcast or an audiobook and just do to do, do go chopping and, and making stuff and then the output of that now that i've seen the private chef's output where it's just you know the the end result is four really big family style tupperware containers of the pre-made food I know that's the output I'm going for. So I'm just, you know, bumbling through to that output. And then I have that. I feel like I've had fun because I've been doing physical stuff. That's a nice break from doing programming stuff. I've also been listening to audiobooks and not really thinking too hard about this. Um, I think, you know, even if I'm making 10 times more money than I'm making now, I think I would still be wanting to do that. I would want to have some sort of physical break from from uh, doing more of this higher level, like intellectual businessy sort of work. Um, and then I, I think I've sell food. So, uh, yeah, that that felt like a a pretty big breakthrough. Uh, I've been talking for a long time. Uh, what, <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts on this whole food situation? Uh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I've heard people hiring chefs before. It is expensive, but also the output's great. Um, I think there's two intermediate steps uh, before you go to the the full on automated bit that you did. Uh, one is I've heard of services where they essentially do batch private chef cooking for many families mm. and then just deliver the food um so it's like more it's, it's about as expensive as going out to eat but you get home cooked meals delivered to you i think the selection is not like you get whatever they make that week mm -hmm. so you have to be non-picky um so that's one and then one that we found is uh, around here i think mostly any big city has these which are essentially meal prep services for you where they'll do the private chef thing and then you can just walk in and pick up frozen you know like single portion frozen things mm. and so we found a great place near us uh it's about ten dollars a portion which is kind of expensive but it's cheaper than going out usually um uh but it's it's probably what i don't know three four times more expensive than making it yourself mm. but it's ready for you it's frozen and in the freezer so we've replaced about half of our meals with those like anytime we have like stuff like for the kids that night or whatever mm. then we'll just do that and then any night where we have a little bit more time that's when we can actually do the cooking um so that's helped a little yeah uh, not quite as good as fresh made meals, but still really good and better than grocery store frozen. Mm. Um, but f for those days that we do cooking, cause we don't want to spend $10 per portion, you know, per day. That's yeah. a ton. So, uh, yeah, you still have to plan it and everything. Uh, so that sounds awesome. I'm very interested to hear how your, uh, your whole system turns out. Same. I'm curious about the, the first service you suggested of like private chefs that just cook and batch for multiple families. Yeah. Um, do you know what one of those are called or how I might find one of those? I haven't listened to that. So, so I have, 
the way that I've seen or I've heard about people getting on them is they they advertise on Facebook groups and you have to like message them and it's all very like manual and like there's no websites. It's like some chef who wants to do this in their kitchen. Mm. That that's the mostly what I've heard of. Okay. So you have to be like looking for them on Facebook or know someone who's already in them. Mm. Um, that by the way is how we found our cleaner. We got a cleaner also once I got like a you know uh, it's it's not a service. It's just one person that like does it. Um, but that. Didn't cost as much as I expected and is a great life improvement. Yeah, mm. it, it is. It does cost money, but it, it's not as much as I expected. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. She comes. She cleans for an entire morning, like once every two weeks. And then we have a clean house every two weeks. Cool. So, yeah. We initially hired a cleaner through a service. And the service is great because, you know, they have they have SEO. You can find the service. But they're right. not hidden yeah. in, a, in a secret relationship in a, a Facebook yep. group or something. Um, but it was so much more expensive in the... Mm. And the quality of the cleaner was not very good. And the, they hire, yeah, and they turn, have turnover and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They were also really picky about like, oh, I can't clean the countertops if there's a thing on the countertops. So Sarah was like, we have to clean before the cleaner comes. Like, this yeah. defeats the whole purpose. Um, I don't know how she found the the cleaners that we have now, but like, they're great. It's it's these three women that come in and just, they just clean everything. And you walk Descend into the room the place, afterwards, yeah. it, it just smells so nice and yeah, they'll yeah. they'll fold laundry and they'll make the bed and uh, they'll tidy your stuff and yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, so if I could find the equivalent of what what we have now, it feels like is because we went through the surface. We have the equivalent of getting the uh, cleaner through the agency. So there's a lot of overhead of you know I'm sure he's not right. seeing most of the money that we're uh, paying towards the service. Um, what I'd love is to figure out like what are the Facebook groups? Who are the people who? would be doing this more at cost if we could get this exact service but it was a hundred dollars a week yeah i think i would totally do it um yeah i so i've i have heard of a lot of like yeah like chefs who want a secondary source of income yeah. so they'll like every saturday they'll make a big batch of stuff yeah and whatever um and they're way cheaper than a service probably something um, i'm trying in parallel is tricky uh, to find there's them. a there's a culinary institute by us it's like a uh oh, yeah. art the art institute the it's culinary a, institute of the arts cia it's, no, it's not that one it's it's ai okay. is the is the uh oh. uh moniker which i thought was funny but it's based out of miami art institute it has a really CAI. long name it's it's the art institute okay. of miami at dallas or something like that um okay. i found uh, a list of their professors and uh found the one who teaches the the at the culinary school and uh had trouble finding her contact information, but I found her on LinkedIn. So I, I tried to message her on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, I'll, I'll see if something comes of that. Going on Facebook groups. I'm not, I'm not a part of any Facebook groups at all. <laughs> like I don't, I don't use Facebook. Um, uh, so so I was, now that you're having a kid, I don't use Facebook either, but uh, my wife's on a bunch of mom groups. Um, and that's where I see a lot of these, you know, or that's where she sees a lot of threads about stuff like that. Like local mom um, groups. Yeah. Okay. I need to I need to get into some of those mom groups, I think. Okay. Also, Nextdoor might be an interesting place to do that. Um, I don't know if you're on Nextdoor, uh, but uh, it's a lo- it's essentially a local social network. Yeah. So you can even make a post saying what you're looking for. Does anyone have? That's a really good idea. Photos? Yeah, most of the posts I see on Nextdoor are just about people complaining that people stole their Amazon packages. Um, yes, that's or uh, the one we get around here is uh, I saw a coyote. Make sure your pets are inside. Yeah, yeah, we get good. those all the time. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a that's another good place to push this forward post on oh no oh my goodness that's wrong okay i'll make a note afterwards it's fine um cool <clears throat> last thing i want to talk about um 
is Blue Sky. Um, because people were mean to me, and I want to talk about it on Blue Sky. On Blue Sky. So we talked about this last time. Yeah, we did, and I want to talk about it again because they were mean to me. All right, they were mean to me yesterday. <laughs> it felt bad. Um, so ah, uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be difficult for me to talk about because like I don't want to repeat what happened yesterday. Which was, I feel like my, the thing I was trying to say, getting misinterpreted as being racist uh, no. or like not woke. Uh, so uh, that that's the that's the framing for this. So there was okay. a post on Blue Sky. I, I'm just flipping through Blue Sky. Uh, feeling kind of disappointed that this, this giant post I did on uh, uh, this cool thing and that our program language didn't get more uh, upvotes, but whatever. Um, and someone had posted... Uh, something along the lines of, hey, if anyone has extra invites, share them with black women because black women make this community 10,000% better. And I, w- I read that and I was like, oh, yeah, that's a- well, hold on. Wait a minute. Is that is that racist? <laughs> is that like, why why black women? Why not, why not black men? Why not any of the other uh, uh, sorts of marginalized groups? Oh, I'm curious about this. I'd, I'd like to open a discussion with this person. So I posted... Uh, Something along the lines of like, um, I'm curious why you're calling for uh, black women in particular. And I felt like this was this was very like tame in the objective sense of things. But I felt like I was just getting dogpiled on of people like re reposting it and say and people saying I was an idiot. And I feel like the assumption was that because I was asking that question, I was rabble rousing saying that we shouldn't have more black women on the platform, which was not what I was saying. I'm, I'm asking the question of why this person chose the, black, but it was just, it was a lot. And I was, I, I think I did a really good job of not reacting and not like replying to every single post that was saying, uh, uh, something mean about me and trying to defend myself. But I, I noticed I was feeling a lot of intense feelings and it felt really bad. Uh, and then there was, uh, a person on the platform who responded, who like actually responded, who said like, ah, oh, you know, there's this theory of, uh, within feminism that has to do with oh i forgot the name of it but it, it, the idea is uh uh the, the more perspectives you have especially from uh marginalized people the the better the community that you have because you, you're just getting more perspectives and, and more of a diverse viewpoint and so this person and i were able to have a, a pretty constructive back and forth uh because i was saying like yes I, I understand that but like why why black women but like are are they for some reason, uh, like, are, are they are they being especially marginalized on this platform, uh, or or do they have particular insight into uh, uh, being marginalized in society? Uh, and we were able to come to it like a pretty good understanding of like, oh, okay, I think I think the core thing I was misunderstanding here is uh, it seemed like the original poster was saying, uh, you know, invite invite black women above all other minorities, but probably what he was just saying is you know th- here's one marginalized group and let's lift them, lift them up today and then tomorrow we may lift up a, a different marginalized group like sex workers or something um so uh it feels good but it it felt so bad in the into in the intermediate time when all these people were <laughs> saying i was racist and bad and i didn't like that and uh i think it's tainted my perception of blue sky as like with the zeal with which people were doing it uh like uh, felt felt echo chambery in the way that i have heard twitter described as echo chambery but uh perhaps from from uh, a different uh political perspective uh so 
I don't know. I just, I like, I ended up having a good discussion, but the, the overwhelming sentiment of people on blue skies seems to be one that I find really distasteful of like jumping to conclusions without working to understand where other people are coming from. And I don't like that. Yeah. So the first thing I thought of is, Oh, you mean like 180 characters is not enough to, you know, say, talk about nuance. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, this is exactly what happened to Twitter. Uh, nuance on the internet in text is very difficult to get across, especially when you have limited characters mm-hmm. or limited screen real estate. So what, uh, the charitable interpretation of the other people is that they misunderstood what you were trying to say, um, you know, or you said it in a way that they've been triggered at triggered by before. Sure. Um, and, you know, the, the correct response would be to gently correct you, not to pile on, right? Um, Which some people yeah, have. That's just like, what happened. Like, you know, the, yeah. there was the there was a conversation I had where I felt like uh, yeah. I felt like this person was genuinely wanting me to like uh, uh, working to to help me better understand. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and in general, so not talking about any any specific conversation or political side right now. The, the way to, if you think someone is doing something wrong, the way to correct them is not to yell names at them yeah. but to sort of gently engage in conversation with them yeah. um, which is very difficult to do on the internet uh, uh twitter or otherwise um it is generally why i participate less in social media now mm. than i used to um and it's why i definitely don't engage in any conversation that i think might have some layer of nuance so like um yeah so personally like i i just don't i wouldn't even ask the question um mm. which is unfortunate but um yeah that's how it is it, uh yeah, it's. I, I don't know how much more I have to say about that, but it, yeah, it's very difficult to convey nuance on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. In that respect, I think I feel. Uh, I, I think I'm. I think I'm cementing my opinion of Blue Sky as that it's just another Twitter, uh, but it's new, and yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like what we. It's not like what we talked about last time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not like fundamentally. I don't know that I'm that I'm convinced that it's solving any underlying problem that, that Twitter got wrong. It's I think I think one of the things you said last time is uh, uh, like that that humans haven't changed. <laughs> like the the uh, right basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't have any answers, but uh, the internet kind of sucks for communication, <laughs> which is funny. Cool. I think that's all. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I will say, like, long-form podcasts, like we're doing right now, I feel like are a pretty good yeah. antidote to that. There's a lot of room for nuance yeah. when you're listening to us for an hour. Uh, we, we, I feel like I can fully explain myself. Uh, yeah, it's it's much more than 280 characters. So uh, in that respect, I feel like doing things like Repurpose Engine that feels like the that feels like the highest impact way that I can be solving this problem because that's encouraging a medium that is much more nuanced that I think is much healthier um, and it's a perfect bridge for people who are on the the less nuanced mediums if they're on TikTok or Twitter uh, you only have room for 180 characters I can take little tastes of the longer discussion and, and feed them out there in the same way that when you're at the mall and the the uh 
person at the at the Chinese restaurant comes out with a little plate of the taste of the orange chicken, and then you're like, oh yes, I, I would like more of that, and then you can go have the yeah. full meal. Um, it's it's leading it's leading people out of the cave uh, to steal from Plato's uh, allegory um, into a healthier place that that I feel like is these long form discussions. I think I think long form podcasts have become my favorite type of social media. Um, I think there's a there's a lot more uh, beef to it than you get with with just posts. Yeah, I think so too. It's also why I like YouTube videos, uh, even for simple things. Like some people hate learning from videos, but I really like it because just seeing the person's face or even if they do explainer style videos, like the inflections in their voice and stuff like that can really tell you a lot more about something than just reading a wall of text. Yeah. Um, that famously, sarcasm is extremely, extremely difficult to get across in text. Yeah. Whereas uh, in voice, it's, you know, second nature to understand that. So um, yeah, that's just one example of... of why text is hard yeah yeah cool that, that was a fun uh connection to make I, I do feel like i'm making the world better with doing this repurpose engine stuff um that also feeds into that sort of long-form youtube video um mm. yeah that the it, it's much more nuanced much 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 more information that you're getting uh watching or seeing a person talk for a longer time than you would get from the, yeah. the short uh, uh sound bites or or yeah, it it also uh, drives connection in a way like that we have uh, humans have evolved for you know a long long time mm-hmm. to look at someone and you know talk to them, not you know writing was only what ten thousand years old or something, mm-hmm. so um, and, and only really when the Gutenberg press uh, became widely available mm-hmm. was it uh, like actually a thing. So yeah, we have less than maybe a thousand years of actual experience as a species with it. So yeah. yeah. It's weird. We didn't evolve in an environment to, to prepare us for this, this right. type of information dissemination. Um, cool. Anything else? Nope. Then that's all I got. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.